Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 22 of the Good Anime Palette podcast. Uh, for all the American listeners, hope you all had a very, very good, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, and for the non-American viewers or the people who don't care about that shit, um, yeah, um, happy Tuesday or whatever time you've been listening to this. As always, it's Will, and as always, it's Jason. My How are you doing, buddy? My Thanksgiving was pretty good. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, you're American, so you, be celebra- you actually celebrated Thanksgiving then. So... I celebrated Thanksgiving without all the traditional, like, turkey, yam. Green bean casserole. Yep. Instead, I had roast pork. I was actually going to ask for a chicken or a goose instead. At least least something to carve, right? Yeah, but I did get dessert. So I got a lemon meringue pie, a pumpkin pie, a banana cream pie as well. A slice, not an actual pie. Right. Because that would be excessive well i mean that's but that's the point in thanksgiving then right like excessive gluttonous enjoyment with family yeah so i gave thanks yeah no i think i don't usually celebrate me being canadian like we celebrate our thanksgiving a month earlier Uh, right don't question it i don't even know why um but usually whenever we did a thanksgiving um we would just get peking duck to carve instead of a a goose or, or or turkey it's just, I don't know. I, I don't rate turkey at all. So it's like Jewish Christmas kind of thing. It's a, it's a, it's, it's non-traditional. It's whatever. It's just basically an excuse to cut up a bird and eat it. So, yeah. Um, so back onto the anime front. Let's, let's put away the pumpkin spice. Let's put away the, the cranberry sauce. Let's talk about what the real good stuff is. As always, it's anime. And, and manga. manga. And manga. And in, in my case now, manhua as well, right? Uh, but before getting into my section, um, I know that you spent some time uh, reading and watching a few things. Um, yes. Even prior to doing the homework for today's episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended it this – I finished it some of the homework this morning. Yeah, too. we had a brief chat about it too. So what, what, what have you been getting up to over the past couple of weeks? So uh, the th- several things that I will mention uh, is I watched Blade Runner – Black Lotus. Oh, right. Okay. So it premiered. That's been making the rounds on Netflix. Yeah, it premiered. Uh, no, not on Netflix. It premiered on November 14th, 2021. It's a co-production between Crunchyroll and Adult Swim. And it is directed by uh, Shinji Aramaki and Kenji uh, Kamiyama. So, and also Watanabe, which is um, Shinjiro Watanabe, who is the director for things like Samurai Champloo, Cowboy Bebop is the director of also Blade Runner Blackout 2022, which I oh, yeah. watched. I made the mistake. It's yeah, it's all Blade Runner 2049 that was on Netflix. That's why I thought. Anyways, my mistake. I mean, I also really like that uh, movie. Um, so Watanabe serves as creative producer. And it is a 3D CG anime. Okay. So now that I've gone at, out of the way, this is my very brief review. So I'm a big Blade Runner fan. I like the original movie. I like the sequel movie 2049 a lot. Despite a lot of people not liking it, I like the tone and the feel of it for sure. This anime does not capture any of that. Uh, It is actually pretty generic, feels pretty hollow. And simply put, just don't watch it. The end. You're better off watching Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex 2045 instead. Wow. Yes. But you you hate that show, though. Yeah, I do. You hate the adaptation. I do. But I will say that Ghost in the Shell... Salon Complex 2045 is better. Yeah. Oh, just in case anybody's wondering why sometimes we might sound a little bit muffled, um, it's 
winter in Hong Kong. Surprisingly, we have seasons, right? So that means the air is a little more dry. Um, my throat's pretty dry, so we have we have throat lozenges. Yeah, we have right throat now. lozenges just to so that we can actually talk. Yeah, otherwise it's going to be a, a, a trouble for us when we start getting it's going to be bad mouth halfway through. Yeah. So look, um, it, it's just very hollow. Like, oh, girl wakes up with amnesia. She arrives in a city that she doesn't remember. Oh, but she has something that is connected to her memories of her past or whatever, and she needs to unlock it. Oh, the the cyberpunk city is, it looks fine, but it's full of ruffians and people, uh, alleyways where fights happen and stuff. If that all sounds generic and unfamiliar and familiar to you, because it is, that's what happens in Blade Runner Black Lotus. No, it's a shame to hear. I mean, like... It's a huge franchise, right? Like we can say it's a franchise now, right? For Blade Runner, now that there's more than just the original movie. So here's the thing: I watched Blade Runner Blackout 2022, and that one is actually hand-drawn animated, and actually it was decent, to be honest. But I don't understand the CG, 3D CG. Like there has to be probably some decision that was made to maybe look more fluid, more animated. But um, yeah, I just don't think. Even if you were to hand-drawn it, it would be that good just because the feel of what a cyberpunk city is supposed to feel like, you know, desolate, gr- like, you know, like Dick Tracy, like noir, like rain yeah, yeah, yeah. and everything. It does have some of that, but it, it feels very nothing. So who, who does this show appeal to then, right? This is you know, a collaboration done with Crunchyroll based on a property that was huge in the, the early 80s, 90s, and then having the, the new one coming in. Uh, a couple of years ago, with uh, Ryan Gosling uh, as the me as, as the main lead. So, who is this for? So, when I watched this show, a show, another show reminded me of this, which is, I think, Star Wars: Shadow of the Clone. Now, that show is actually really, really good, but the animation style, the fluidity, the look of the characters are very reminiscent of that. And I would say the major difference with Shadow of the Clones that Black Lotus lacks is the story and also what cyberpunk genre is supposed to be. Not necessarily that, oh, you can't break new grounds, but if you were to replace that cyberpunk city with a lot of different settings, it doesn't matter. Like, it would fit if you just adjust a couple of things. So I think that in that sense, the cyberpunk thing is merely just to tack on to the Blade Runner franchise to entice people to watch it because it's in the universe. Well, that's a shame, too, because like, when you're watching cyberpunk, the, th- the, the cyberpunk theme itself is the main reason why people watch cyberpunk. And it, it sounds kind of like straightforward, so of course, right? But like... You can, it's it's like why people were like watching like high fantasy stuff or like playing anything that is like that that distorts reality. The whole point is for you to immerse yourself in something and lose yourself so that you can actually feel like you're part of that existence of what's happening on screen. If you can't if you can't connect with that, then most of the meaning of what you're watching is kind of gone. Yeah, and uh, I really like cyberpunk things like Akira, Ghost in the Shell. I put in high regards, so I would like to think I know quite a bit about cyberpunk and have a high affinity towards it and this is not that so right well i guess we move on then right yep okay well one thing that i've been watching yeah i'm interested to hear about this actually controversial it's not a it's not animated 
there are some animations, but it's Wait, mostly what? 3D. Yeah, it's, 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 there's 3D CG oh, okay, in it, right? Okay, okay, yeah. um, I actually watched the, li- I watched the live action. Um, so there's a new show on Netflix that's been making the rounds um, after that huge explosion uh, that was Squid Game. Right, I didn't watch Squid Game. I already watched that. I'm not talking about that today. Instead, there is a new show on the block, a new number one, a new top highest growth rate, most popular Korean-based TV show that's making the rounds on Netflix, and it's called Hellbound. Now, Hellbound is a live adaptation of the same of, of the same name of the original manhwa that's currently on Naver's webtoon platform. And they they already have quite a lot of chapters. Oh, okay, a lot of webtoon episodes out, but like in original Korean. Whereas the English version currently, I think it's on episode five, and then there's like another two dozen or so that are hidden behind a paywall. So you can definitely access it. I have enough coins to read it. It's just that I only just got finished like watching the TV show. And that, therefore, like I haven't necessarily gotten time to fully read everything, but I can safely say there's a lot of like faithful adaptations, right? So, Hellbound is essentially set in a. It's actually kind of grounded in reality, but a more dystopian reality where supernatural beings that come from this "quote unquote" hell have now ascended to Earth to drag down, you know, would be evil doers or people that they deemed like unworthy of ascending to heaven or to ma- to to maintain their existence on earth and drag them down to hell so there are like these three huge lumbering monsters that basically jump out from like the depths of hell and just start wailing and beating the shit out of out assuming people and then it turns out when people start digging up these victims pasts they find that actually these are actual criminals they've been tried for you know rapes murders um like money laundering just doing some real like bad guy bad woman shit and so what then happens is when people start seeing these crazy creatures come up from what they think was of hell supernatural like like super religious cults start popping up and then therefore people start thinking that these monsters are related to you maintaining your purity maintaining your stance as an innocent human being and that the reasons why they're coming up to earth is to punish evildoers and show humans that hell exists and that if you do anything to piss them off that they will drag your ass down now of course there are going to be non-religious people um people or people just who don't want to like get into the whole religious zealot shit right and it's a very close look into what incredibly like nut job cult behavior entails especially when you start mixing it in with like heavy religious elements now it's not to say that like oh they 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 pertain to a certain faith i think that it, it was good for them to actually steer away from that cuz it can be very sensitive rather they just focus on the actual concepts of hell of morality and all that um it's a really wonderful show. It's really well done because of the fact that it is very grounded in what you would expect a normal human being would do in a situation like that. Now, again, I'm not endorsing the live action. It is on Netflix. Six episodes, easy watch. What I am endorsing, on your hand, is the actual manhwa because this is very rare, too. The director of the live action actually wrote the manhwa himself. Yeah, and that's the part that actually fascinates me because usually when you get an adaptation of any sort, the original source is written by the author and 
that person would also technically not have the know-how to then also be a director of a huge production. And you might not know much about Hellbound because it's one of his newer properties, but you might have watched some of his other movies, like The King of Pigs, Train to Busan. Yeah, um, I watched the that. Fo- the follow-up to it, Peninsula. That's all him. And so like, we talked about this before because I brought this up with you. You're like, this guy actually wrote the whole thing himself as well while he's doing his directorial shit as well. It's pretty nuts that he's able to balance out his life like that. Yeah, so uh, huge props to, to the guy, which is uh, Yoon Sang-ho. And yeah, I, I haven't watched Hellbound, nor have I watched Squid Game. It's on the to-do list eventually, I guess. But You don't need to watch Squid Game. You can, you can just watch Alice in Borderland. Let's, let's not anger everyone, shall we? <clears throat> what you should do, though, is get the Webtoon app. Check out Hellbound, done by Young Sang-ho. It's free to read. If you want to read the latest chapters, you will have to pay. But, you know, the model, you wait a little bit, more episodes come out for free. You just slowly read. It's just the same as waiting for your, your the next episode of an anime to come out. You just wait for a week and then something will show up and you continue your journey. You can pay to read more. And I think if you are a new subscriber to the Naver platform, you do get a discount on your first couple of coins. So get on that. All right. Another show that I have watched and finished is a show that premiered in winter 2014 and is produced by Doga Kobo, which is a studio that has done uh, My Senpai's Annoying that's currently airing right now. And it will be airing uh, Shikimori Isn't Just a Cutie, I think, in April. And I put these two series in high regards because they're both based on mangas and I like the manga a lot. And this is Engaged to the Unidentified. It is one cur, so I think 12 episodes. To my knowledge, there is no English translation because it's it's based on a manga of the same name. Uh, it's about... It's a comedy rom, rom-com slice of life. It's about a girl called Kobeni who, on her 16th birthday, all of a sudden, two people rocked up to her house and is like, yo, I'm your fiancé, and my little sister is tagging along, and uh, welcome to the family. And it's just about the hijinks that comes with the fa- her own, Kabeni's own family and this new family that apparently she was a, a, a heavily part of during her childhood years but doesn't remember for some reason. And then they bring it, they, you know, that they reveal that. Another thing that I also feel like is crazy to mention is there are supernatural elements that are kind of weird, but it's spoiler, so I won't mention anything more, but it was incorporated pretty well. This show may not be very uh, well-known to a lot of people, but if you were to up-to-date with your memes... Oh, yeah. That's that's how I know about Engage the, uh, the Unidentified. For example, a young girl dancing in front of a television that is engaged to the unidentified, and there is a lot of those, I guess, cute, wholesome moments. That's Mashiro, right? Is that her name? That's correct. Mm-hmm. And I, guess, uh, I only know it because of the memes. Yeah, so... Uh, they also have random references to One Piece and Ultraman for no reason. So I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Um, the show is quite typical, but it was very nice. Um, the comedy is done pretty well, I would say. It's kind of like, I would say, a 7.5 out of 10. It sounds very much like a Dogokobo production. Yeah, I, think- I mean, a lot of the stuff they do is like very like supernatural comedy, slice of life comedy. There's, there's usually like 
a comedy elements to whatever realm they're going into, right? Like, for, like they, they, they did Himoto-chan, um, they did uh, Nozaki-kun, as you mentioned, Senpai's Annoying. Like, there's that style that they're, like, going for when they're doing adaptations, and it's it's cool. I mean, like, when you described uh, uh, Engage the Unidentified, yeah, I wouldn't have doubted that it was Togo Kobo that did the production for it. I think the production is also very nice, and I think this cements in my mind that Doga Kobo is... Their repertoire is basically slice of life stuff, but somehow it's a little different spin on it. With Shikimori being a cutie, it's a woman being badass. With My Senpai's Annoying, it is a really short, petite girl with her huge senpai. They also did Sleepy Princess, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't Sleepy, remember. Sleepy Princess in the Demon Castle? Yeah. I think that's also Dogokobo. Okay. I think it only came out last year. I watched some of it. It's pretty good. Okay. Well, it's also a, a, a cute little girl just doing cute little things right right but wrecking shit right so it, but like in a very hilarious way it's pretty apt that dogokobo also uh, did that then yeah okay. so dogokobo is really high in my books nowadays yeah it's like for them it's like they're not doing like crazy high production shit but it's like they're consistent with what they do which is something you you rarely see in any industry when you're able to at least pump out stuff that maintains a consistent quality of enjoyment and you know it's rare to see right now all right so that is the end of our What We've Been Watching segment. I have read two other mangas, but because they are tied in with news, I will now mention the news ah, stories. Nice. So Two birds, one stone. Exactly. Speaking of Slice of Life rom-coms, Misaki Takamitsu's Skip and Loafer manga has been listed with a TV anime. They have not announced when and not announced who would be, which studio would be producing it. But I read... The two volumes that are available in English officially um, by, let me see, by Seven Seas Entertainment. And also, this manga is going crazy in terms of the ratings. It's a 8.05, if I remember on my anime list. It is ranked 600. And um, the manga is ranked 7th in um, a survey done in the 2020 edition of this manga is amazing, which is a very well-known Japanese survey for male readers and female readers. Kono manga wa sugoi. Hi. And then is also nominated for the 13th Manga Taisho Awards in 2020. And was also nominated for the Best General Manga category of Kodansha's 44th Annual Manga Awards in 2020. So those, I was going in with very, very high expectations. And to cap all of this off, I will just give you a plot synopsis of this manga, Skip and Loafer. So, Iwakura Mitsumi always had big dreams of leaving her small town, advancing to a top-tier university, and then contributing to the country before retiring back to her hometown. So focused on her goal that she is oblivious to all the other ways she comes out short, much to the chagrin and concern of her friends and family. Can a naive girl make it in Tokyo? And she goes to high school in Tokyo. Uh, the reason why I read the plot synopsis word for word is because that's the most generic bullshit I have ever heard in my entire life. Small town bumpkin girl moves to big town Tokyo. With big dreams, Can right? they survive? Can they make their dreams come true? 
it's like it's, it's like it's like a a, a, a wide eyed actor going to L A or New York Broadway and being like, oh, I'm gonna make a life out. Of it's this. always like that. I mean, like any any manga or any anime that we talk about usually has like those like, oh, we're finally going to the big town. It's like uh, like Jujutsu Kaisen, right? The main character goes into Tokyo. It's like, oh, I'm gonna go shopping. Or like when you know the Kurasuno team um, in Haikyuu. It starts playing in the, the Tokyo regionals, oh, right? Let's, let's go to the Tokyo Tower. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's a tower over there. It's like, that's not the Tokyo Tower. It's bigger than what we have in our town. It's like, it's a lot, like, it's it's very much like a common theme that we see with not just Slice of Lies, but any manga and anime in general. I mean, Chobits is also like that, too. Yeah, country bumpkin dude goes to Tokyo and picks up a sex robot. No, not a sex robot. <laughs> just, just a robot. Bro. We, we keep it peachy. Keep it Bro. peachy, okay? Okay. So, I read the two uh, translated mangas by Seven Seas Entertainment. I think they're up to volume six in Japan, though, which I checked on Wikipedia. So, what the fuck? But then I was like, okay, let's read it. And actually, it's very good. It's, I would say, an 8.5 out of 10. Kind of more... I kind of need to figure out if it's more 8 or more 9. Well, the fact that the manga itself is above an 8, right? That's 8.05, yeah. That's phenomenal. Yeah, and it came out of nowhere. Um, what I will say that the plot synopsis is extremely accurate, but the defining factor is the interactions within the characters. You get your icy, cold, hot girl. You get the aloof, hot guy. You get the country bumpkin. And you get the recluse nerd. And you just get the the, the best friend trope guy and they kind of just mix together and um it's actually quite good in terms of relating to characters and character interactions it felt very nice and i'm not surprised after reading two volumes that it got an anime adaptation well there you go that's that's one thing to look forward to another thing that i'm looking forward to i actually don't really know much about this but i saw the production company that's behind it we're going to have a pretty, pretty eventful 2022 of Cloverworks anime. Yeah, I know, right? I'm I'm very stoked because last year it was MAPPA. No, this year it was MAPPA. Now, next year, we got some Cloverworks, baby. So, so what's getting adapted? So Cloverworks is slated to adapt in the heart of Kunikochi Tsubaki, which is a manga based uh by the same mangaka who did Teasing Master Takagi-san, and when will Ayumi make his move? Now, when will Ayuki make Ayumi makes his move is also slated to premiere in, I think, April as well. And then they announced this, but there's no specific date for um, in 2022. I also read the two volumes for when will Ayumi make his move, because I really like Teasing Master Takagi-san. I read the manga. And I googled the spinoff manga because there's no English translation, but just reading the plot synopsis of that warms my heart already. So I had a, a good kind of expectation going in. And when will Ayumi make his move is essentially mainly the interactions between Ayumi and the president of the Shogi Club and their kind of cute-ish interactions. It is very gags, not gag-centric, but the chapters are split into very, very short chunks, similar to Teasing Master Takagi-san. And uh, 
it's just really funny because Ayumi, being the younger one, is actually a bit taller and more because he's part. He quit the kendo club to join the shogi club for no reason, and the shogi club is only one girl who is the president. And then kind of is like, he's very blunt and straightforward. Like, oh, why did you join this club? I was like, because I think you're cute. And then it's she just like blushes. So it's kind of like a reverse Takagi-san, but more in your face in terms of the romance and banter between the two. Because he is not going to confess to her, even though they both pretty much know where each other stand until he beats her in a game of shogi. And let's just say it's going to take a while for for that to happen because he keeps losing. Right. Well, how, how do you feel about um, the the heavy slate that Cloverworks has for the upcoming year? Because because let's 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 be honest. Yeah, they, they did a lot of work for uh, 2021. Yeah. But it's been a mixed bag. Right. For every horror Mia there was, there was a promised Neverland season two. And then there was uh, there was Shadow's House, but then there was also the last episode of Wonder Egg. Yes, exactly. So it's like there was a lot of good stuff we could talk about for Cloverworks this year, but at the same time, it was balanced out by the not so great. Like, look, I tried to give season two of Promise Neverland a chance, and in the end, like, I had to stop by episode four because it just started going down this rabbit hole of wow, they're not going to make this any better. Okay, and we talked about Wonder Egg. Less said about it, the better. Let's just enjoy what we consumed. Okay, so. Cloverworks, I think, currently has one, two, three, five. five works. Yeah, it's Tokyo Twenty Fourth Ward, which is airing in January next season, which as we is, will cover. As is Akebi's Sailor Uniform, which is also in January, which we will also cover. Yep, uh, my no. dress up darling. Yeah, that's the other one, which I'm very uh, excited about. Uh, that's like I'm super happy about that. Spyx Family, which we're both super, super, super excited about. That one, I fuck. And then now, <laughs> um, in the heart of Kunochi Tsubaki, which is basically. One of those again, but instead it's about ninjas who are in love. That's it. They'll probably start releasing that one in April or beyond. Like they'll have like the three, right? AKB, um, Dress Up Darling, and Tokyo Twenty Fourth Ward for the uh, winter um, season, and then spring or maybe even summer. That's when they'll start releasing the other ones. Yeah, I you... expect Spikes Family to be later on in the year, though. I would say, if I had to guess, uh, Spikes Family would be in the fall. The ninja rom com will be in the summer. And then we have the three coming up next in winter, literally yeah. in a couple of weeks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that sounds about right. So uh, that's the announcement. They are uh, skip and loafer. I am pretty excited about. I think it will be pretty chilled. The manga is really, really good. You should check it out. Um, Kunochi Tsubaki. I can't check it out because there is no official English translation. But uh, the other two, uh, when will Ayumi make Ayumu make his move and mass teasing Master Takagi-san? is out in manga translations, and you should check them out. And it's funny because this mangaka now has three works premiering in some capacity this upcoming year. So, dude is doing good, I guess. Right. Dude also is doing good after having a lot of bad last, like, the last couple of weeks, last couple of months. Y- yeah, we yeah. Should probably, we, we should probably watch it when it screens. We're talking about world... World's End Harem. So listeners who have listened to previous episodes might have heard of my rant about World's End Harem. And despite the fact that we have not watched a single second of the anime, we have actually talked quite a bit about it. I won't get into the plot details because... You can go into Mal for that. And also I will just go crazy again. But now they have 
said that they're going to premiere again January on January 7th of 2022. Originally, they were going to release it this fall. They released the first episode early, apparently realized that something is wrong, and decided to pack up their bags, go back to the studio, and hunker down and fix whatever quote-unquote closely examine the anime's production so they decided to re-screen this three months after the delay um they did an advanced screening right i think you said on their youtube channel oh i i i don't know but advanced screening they did somewhere somewhere um let's, let's see what they did this time i don't i don't know i don't really care all that much at this point but you know that, like, with the plot synopsis, that it's going to generate a lot of discussion. It's such a dumpster fire. Let's see how big the fire gets. All right? Yeah. Spe- we have one more bit of news, yeah, right? Yeah, speaking of fires. um, This one's a doozy. This Shonen is- Jump uh, is a weekly manga. And if you don't know what Shonen Jump is, and you call yourself a manga and anime fan, you might want to reassess your credentials. But... Weekly Shonen Jump is probably the most well-known manga magazine in existence and has been the case for eons. They have produced endless amounts of Shonen shows uh, through their manga source. Now, it comes to no surprise in general that physical media, in this case is the manga magazine, the book form, obviously, is not doing too good. And right now, Shonen Jump dips below 1.4 million in print circulation. Now, for context, for people who don't understand 1.4 million, which is just a number, right? The manga's record circulation was 6.53 million in 1994. And then this has undergone the, the worst decline in eight years. Sharp decline. And in 2017, it was 1.915 million. And then it dipped even lower, 1.6 in like January of 2020. Like steadily per year, we're losing around anywhere from 100,000 to even 300,000 in print, right? Like we're at a point now where we, we may actually go below the million mark in like three years. Now, this is not to say it's all doom and gloom for Shonen Jump because... As Will and I probably have mentioned endless endless times and will continue to do so, Jump Plus is an online manga platform that have given rise to awesome manga such as Kaiju Number no. 8 and, of course, Spikes Family. They also have digital versions released on simultaneously. Simulpub, for sure. For uh, Mashal, for example, which I follow. They're also and- doing remasters or like re-releases of old stuff, so mm-hmm. you can definitely catch up on your Bleach and your JoJo's. Um, it's, it's just a wonderful platform to be able to just have in the palm of your hand and read manga. And uh, a lot of it, especially like the first couple of chapters and the latest couple of chapters are for free, like completely free with nothing, like no, no strings attached. Some almost. of them are some of them are 100% free. Oh, yeah. Like, um, what was the one? Cage? I've, been, I've been reading Kaiju number eight free this whole time. What was, what was the other one? Cage of. Oh my god, I can't remember now. I, let me check on my phone. Yeah, so it's cool to see that like the platform itself is growing, and if we, I think we need it to grow too because, like, let's be real. When it comes to like getting paperback or hardback um, media nowadays, a lot of times it's more for like collectors' items. It's more for 
like nostalgia purposes or just having something like tangible, something you can actually hold in your hands and like have on your shelf to remind you that you know this is something that you're really, really into, something that you really want to invest your time and your money into. But as as, as we start seeing things getting online more and more frequently, it just becomes easier for us to just have a, like a all-in-one solution to just access manga that we want to read. I mean, like we already do that with that. I mean, okay, there's really no other way to consume anime now. Like you can watch it on TV, but realistically, who's really read watching on on, on anime TV now? Technically, you can buy the Blu-rays, but who does that anymore? No one does that. I mean, yes, Japan does that a lot, and it's really expensive and it's a good source of revenue for a lot of people, but internationally, it's not really a market. I mean, Japan, Netflix is growing. Japan has like, its own streaming platforms too, specifically for these kinds of shows, right? So I don't see this being a bad thing in terms of you know, the reduction in print, but more that it's, just, it's a sign of the times. It's a natural thing, really. And another thing, earlier I was mentioning a manga series, Soloist in a Cage is the one that I was talking about. All of it is available on Jump Plus, all 20 chapters, is at 7.81 on my anime list, which is really good. And also, Chojin X is also on there as well, I want to mention, which is the Soyushita's new property, which I'm a bit lukewarm on, but we'll see how that goes. That one, that one took a while to release, like, like upcoming season, uh, episodes. I Chojin? Mean, yeah, Chojin. I, I haven't read it since the, the first one dropped. The first one was like 70, 80 pages, which is kind of crazy, and then for the longest time, they kind of was like, oh, we'll announce something at some point. And then now it's kind of being serialized and every week there's something. But yeah. And also, oh yeah, let's not forget. Chainsaw Man Part 2 is coming to Jump Plus from the magazine. Best move. Best it, move it, ever. It was a really good move for them to do that. Not to say that like people wouldn't buy the manga like if it was in print. But you can definitely, definitely bet on people accessing Jump Plus or Manga Plus or whichever platform you use. I think there's two different versions on both Android and for iOS. So it, I, I just I only see the, the digital age has already like taken over. It's been it's been around for God knows how long now. I mean, streaming is king nowadays, right? Like, it but people just like print. People just like having you know something you hold in your hands like that you can actually feel as you turn the pages, which I admit, I, I do have copies. I have I have all of my Tokyo Ghoul at home. Right, but that was all of my Naruto at home. That was back in the day. I mean, I have those too. But yeah, I, I bought my Tokyo Ghoul four years ago, and I bought the latest ones for Tokyo Ghoul Re like a year ago. Right, but I would say that I am more picky about the physical no, yeah. media that I bought. I mean, I would buy art books that I of properties that I really, really like. Like I bought the Persona 5... No, sorry. Persona 3 and Persona 4 art books, and they look gorgeous. And there are other, you know, similar anime or manga fronts that I would purchase the physical copy. I think it's just now more of, how do I say this? Like a delicacy, like something that I would go in the extra mile if it's something that I have a huge fondness over. But it comes to no surprise for everyone that online streaming, online digital manga is the future. So this just further cements the fact that print is going to die really slowly. And it's obviously the case for Shonen Jump. But that doesn't mean that Shonen Jump is going to fold at all because they have their online digital platform. And I think, Will, there was a news story where we 
mentioned about Jump Plus and their subscriptions were like several million users or something. I remember at some point. Well, I mean, the fact that like, it was only $2 to subscribe. Like, it's 2 bucks to read all the manga you want. Like, how could you pass that up? So I also mentioned another manga. Speaking of digital manga, Azuki. Yeah, that's the, the Kodansha one. Yes. I don't know if they're officially affiliated with Kodansha, but it just so happens that pretty much almost all of their manga, not all, but like 90% of their manga are all Kodansha stuff. I mean, Blue Lock's on there. It's, it's pr- pretty good. Right? Like, if you want to read... Like, Blue Lock is... The, the anime is coming. So get get like, get ahead of it and read some manga first before the first ed- episode drops. But Azuki is, I think, $5 US per month, and I'm subscribed to it. And they do Simul Pub 2 for To Your Eternity, for example... Uh, one of my favorite mangas, A Sign of Affection, they have done that too, and so on and so forth. And they're adding new titles every week. I mean, $5 for Azuki and $2 per Shonen Jump Plus, like that's the same price as a... That's even cheaper than a Netflix subscription. Okay, so now that we have gone to this point, I need to make a plea, which is Seven Seas Entertainment. If you're listening, I don't think you are, but just I'm just putting this out there. Please have a digital manga service because of all the english publishers i really vibe with seven seas entertainment and their catalog i really really want a subscription service please that's it yeah well hopefully your plea reaches the offices of um seven seas who knows i I think will will my message sail the seven seas well let's let's be real though i think like at this stage not like i mean like there's a reason why we have like jump plus we have uh azuki we have viz media where like you can buy online like you don't have to buy paperbacks anymore you can just buy like uh like cbr versions of yeah, them i instead. mean same same with yen press and seven seas entertainment but the issue is the digital manga yeah is so pricey you know and if there was a subscription service or like a huge sale on bookwalker then maybe maybe i would purchase a lot but it's really hard when the it gets to that point where you might as well just buy a paperback, right? Yeah, because the price difference is actually not that great. I think it's like two, maybe three dollars, and it's like in the end, it's also storage issues too, right? Like if that's the case, like I might as well have something on my shelf, and then maybe like later on, get a bigger shelf. Whereas buying buying manga, the files aren't small, man. I mean, there was an interaction of Will and I with um some of our friends in in Taiwan. And they were taking pictures of oh their God, manga yeah. collection. Do, do they have, you know, those, uh, what are they called? I think um, we actually talked about this once, but uh, we're uh, going to talk they, about they, it yeah, again. They have like, they, they have calyxes. Like if, if, if you don't know what a calyx is, you must have been to Ikea and saw those like square, like two by four or four by four bookshelves. And like, they might have like two of those four by fours and they're all full of manga. And, and that's not even like their full collection. At least several hundred volumes. And then Jason just comes in. <laughs> I just waltz in and be like, yeah, guys, I'll show you my collection. And I took a photo of an external hard drive because, honestly, that was my collection. And everyone was just like, what is that? Is that – you just zoomed in, right? Like, why don't you open it yourself? And then there were some that actually took you seriously. And then there were others that were like, oh, smart guy. Okay, no, all right. No, I wasn't, I wasn't being cheeky. No. I mean, it was, it was double because I do want to be cheeky. Some people just want to live in the analog world, okay? You know? No, but, <laughs> but, like, really, like, that external hard drive – contains all the digital manga that I have consumed and bought. So 
you know. Yeah, you, you know, of course, you know, you know, your 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 purpose of doing that was twofold, right? It wasn't just it. It was also just to be like, haha, I have all this, and you need two bookshelves for that. And it was magical their reaction. It was just like sit back, mastermind, stroking the stroking the cat, just be like, yes, feel. There is something. There is there, there is like something that's awesome though about feeling like the the pages of a manga as you're ripping. I mean, like whenever I'm in Japan, I do manage to find a place that has English manga to read, like. I, I spend at least like half an hour to an hour just reading whatever's on there. I think when it comes to physical media in relation to anime and manga, uh, the main consistent physical thing that I would buy is art books. I don't really buy figurines or anything. Nothing against it. I just don't. I don't have the space for it. I don't have the space for it. And the art books are just nice because they show behind the scenes. They show like concept design. There's usually some sort of interview with the staff, and it's just really cool to see things that normally you would not see. With the mangas, I just want official translations, and I don't have the shelf space. We live in Hong Kong where every square foot matters so much. Yeah, so. the thing – I think, like, it's no longer, like, a hobbyist thing. For us, it's more, like, if we're going on a commute, it's just the same as – listening to music or playing like a mobile game on the way to work it, it, it's an economical thing in terms of economical with your space yeah and your time too and, yeah, exactly right like you you get on the bus get on the train it's like a maybe 25 30 minute commute rather than just you know watching netflix or playing video like mobile games or whatnot you can pop open the latest episode the latest chapter of kaiju 8 yeah. or spy x yeah and or sakamoto days or whatever platform you use and Bookwalker now is doing the thing where they sell by the chapters now instead of the volumes. Wait, and, really? Yeah. So they sell by the chapters for some, and then they also sell by the volume for those. So if you want to, you can double buy, which is really annoying. I do love you guys, though. Bookwalker, please. Just, but yeah, like, they're doing that now. Like, um, I mean, we're going a little bit on topic, but Reborn as a vending machine. I now oh, own the yeah. dungeon. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's only I bought two chapters, so it's just two chapters. It wasn't even a volume. It's just two chapters. It's really stupid. I love it, but it's so stupid. Uh, the reborn as a vending machine property I'm talking about is really stupid in a good way. All right, I think that that wraps up the the first half of today's uh, recording. Uh, we've got. A lot of a lot of interesting tidbits in terms of what's getting adapted, what's getting re-released, uh, and what the future what the future holds for anime and manga. We already know what happens, right? There's I mean, going to be like five or six isekais that will be adapted in the next six months. How many light novels are going to be adapted? Blah 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 blah. But I think it comes to the point where I realized, like last episode, we had like so many anime adaptation announcements. And we were worried about what we're going to do for winter because we're waiting for the premiere dates to be confirmed. It, yeah, it's, fine. it's it's here now. Yeah, it, things it's... are literally coming in. So it's very good for us and very uh, reassuring that things are moving along and things are being confirmed. Like, let's be real. Like For the, the day-to-day like, anime fan, when stuff gets released and then like confirmed like one or two weeks before it actually airs, that's fine, but because this is something that we actually do as like a pseudo job, like we need to know when this shit happens so we can actually plan out what we what we consume and what we can feed back to you guys, right? I mean, we literally had to shift episodes because to sort of sync up with the premiere dates, and we can't do it 
on that week because we only get one episode. So we want to give it a little bit of breathing room, right? Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, get ready for uh, 80 uh, After Dark Episode 6. That's one thing we had to make a shift in. We actually had to wait several months before we were able to record it. But we did it. Right. We watched The Missing Link. Okay, okay. One last thing, Will. So Blue Period and 86 Part 2 both have production issues. Oh, yes. That's right. They got delayed by how, how One how week. Long? Yeah, one week. But here's the thing with Blue Period in particular. Now that they're delayed one week due to production issues, and same with 86. They, they, they said it's production issues, so hopefully everything's okay. With Blue Period, though, because it's staggered release, it is now in this weird spot where... Is it two weeks behind the Netflix release? Because it's supposed to be premiering on Japanese TV first, then on Netflix worldwide, then on Netflix Japan. See, this is also why I think like it's going to be hard for all these publishing companies to start getting stuff out of paperback and into digital because they have all these different agreements going on, right? Like just for one show, local TV, Japanese streaming, worldwide streaming. These are just three, but like one production issue and it. It looks like it could fuck everything up. Yeah, and and they didn't make it clear how the streaming thing will work. I think it's just whatever. It's just going to be delayed one week. But it's just weird, I guess, that like now these things can be the norm. So, like, imagine if Comey can communicate also get delayed. I mean, it Same is thing, right? it, it is a staggered release. But yeah, if it gets delayed, it's like, well, what do you do? Because of course, people are going to talk and. And it's just going to be really annoying. That, that makes it difficult. For, again, I'm not. I'm not saying that like anime reviewers and weebs and all that like are the force like the priority. But it does make it difficult for when you do want to give like an unbiased and completely objective opinion on a show when you don't even have a regular release schedule due to the fact that it's staggered. It's hard for you to properly judge it, right? We have to wait longer than expected, and sometimes sometimes people just jump the gun and just. You know, make a review based on initial impressions, which, again, is is not the best. I mean, we should probably do a bits and pieces where we talk about things like staggered release or binged release or normal weekly release. And yeah. like, the, I mean, when you told me that, like, it's a, it's, it's 12 episodes for um, Jojo. Yeah, that, that one's annoying. Yeah. And it's premiering soon. And then all of a sudden, Super Crooks, which is done by Bones. Yeah, Bones. Uh, it looks cr- cool, by the way. It looks cool. We'll... We'll check it out for the next episode. But, yeah, it's just like, dude, all these different release schedules, all these different agreements, all these different streaming platforms, it's just a mess. And I think that's just the way it is going forward. Like, at this point, you might as well just, if it's, if it's for Netflix, you might as well just put it in jail. Just put it in the Netflix jail and wait till like, there's enough shit to come out and then just release it all. Right? You're not going to do, like, a proper week-to-week release. Just just release it in one, in one block later on. All right. I think we should stop this is it ranting because even though i do think our discussions of these issues are very relevant um we need time we need time for our main discussion topic so i think we are going to take a break will right yeah we'll pause here uh we'll get back to you in a couple seconds and then afterwards we will go into today's discussion topic which is it's going to be very I think you say that every time. No, this one's actually going to be like a real tough one to do. I know what we want to say. I just don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. That's it. So we'll catch you guys in a couple seconds. Peace.
everybody, and welcome back to the Good Anime Palette Podcast. This is episode 22. I'm Jason. Will is here. Welcome back, everyone. And we are going to talk about... It's actually uh, what we call a paired episode because... It's a two-parter. It's yeah. a two-parter. And we are talking about weapons. Yeah, this time around, we're actually going to be talking about like physical elements of some of the shows that we watch a lot of times we talk about more thematic stuff more either philosophy or logic um emotions and shit this time around this is stuff that we can grab by the hands and actually say yep we're talking about physical weapons we're talking about magical weapons now today's episode we're actually going to be doing the first part which is physical physical weapons and then the next episode we will have a discussion on magical weapons so before we actually go into the discussion, Will and I have actually tried to put a lot of thought into how this episode is going to be structured. By a lot of thought, we've been planning this for almost four months. Yes. And I just want to, before we actually start talking about physical weapons, we want to put out some disclaimers. Now, I know, like, why are we doing this? But we just want to be on the same page with you, the listeners. So then, going forward, we're all good. So... As you might expect, talking about just weapons in general is a topic that is so vast that we can you can probably just do a podcast purely on weapons themselves. And in anime and manga, probably can do quite a bit of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean like, when we talk about like a lot of like shonen shows, a lot of action adventure shows, like, weapons are ubiquitous with them. Like you 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 can't really have a show that talks about, you know, like that, that focuses on on action, on fighting, on combat without even seeing a weapon. Right. Even if it's not the main focus. So, we will split this main discussion topic in kind of two to three chunks depending on how the discussion goes. The first chunk will be dedicated to the definition of physical weapons or the main discussion of what a good physical weapon is, what is a physical weapon, so on and so forth. In our in our definition as well. It may it, not sit well with everyone, but like our word is the most important. So, I mean, suck it. You can't <laughs> Okay, look, hey, hey, guys. We're not trying to start a war here. We're not trying to go up in arms. Get it? Get yeah. It. But our definition will pertain to today's discussion that fits within the GAP discussion. Yeah, and it's not necessarily to say these are facts as much as to try to get involved in the discussion of physical weapons such that you can hear our insight and also probably have opinions of your own, whether you agree or disagree. That's the whole point of this discussion. Yeah, at least lay out a foundation as to why we made certain uh, weapon selections for today's episode or for the next episode. Now, the second chunk, which kind of melds in with the first chunk, depending on how we're going to discuss, is our own memorable weapons that pertain to anime and manga. Then the reason why we separate that is because the third section is our anime or manga recommendations per- that pertains heavily on the theme of physical weapons. Yeah, that one that's quite tough to do because it, it was tough because when you really think about it, like you have very memorable weapons. You have moments where like a weapon's used and it's like one of the greatest scenes you've seen. But it's not always the case where the weapon itself or the discussion of weapons is like the main focus of a show. Now, of course, the shows we discuss at the end, there's going to be varying levels of it, but the weapons themselves are going to be extremely important, and we're also going to make sure that these are shows that you should definitely check out. So, let's get into the first section, then. Right. Okay. Which is, um, let's start with a banger. What is the definition of physical weapons? But, I actually have to say, uh, kind of caveats of what is we don't consider a physical weapon. So, 
for example, hand-to-hand combat, like uh, CQC, you know, or like mixed martial arts, we did not consider them physical weapons because our stipulation, which is just arbitrary, which we just as a GAP bros do, is to separate your fists or melee combat with melee combat with an actual equipment like or a handheld weapon or, or, or an object of some sort like a physical extension of of yourself so we actually may even do a, a topic discussion on hand-to-hand combat on mma or cqc uh in anime in the future I, i'm definitely saying we will do that because right. there's a lot of them and a, a lot of good ones too yeah. So when it comes to like you know putting people in headlocks or lead locks, um, bull rushing somebody, or just you know actual like hand to hand combat, this will not fall under physical weapons. Also, we decided to exclude mechs, machines, and vehicles because even though they are physical and can be used as a weapon, uh, it to include them it will just be too complicated and it will go on and on. So things also like turrets and stuff like that obviously is a physical weapon. We exclude that. Explosives are kind of iffy, but I think for explosives, it's a case-by-case basis. Biological weapons, I don't think we'll touch on that too much, but it is definitely a weapon. But, you know, it's, it's, it's again, the reason why we actually have dedicated a huge chunk to defining what physical weapons are is because it's really complicated when you think about it. Yeah, like, for example, like, you know how you said no mechs, right? But what about, like, exo-armor? Right, like you know, for example, like Inuyashiki, where like you know somebody has been modified to the point where they're pretty much a cyborg, but they also would be able to pull out you know like a turret out of their arm or like shoot missiles out of their head. Or what happens when Violet Evergarden has kind of mechanized arms, but then she can handle herself very agile, ag- like her agility and her kind of combat know-how is very, very good, which is evidenced in one of the episodes in there, the TV series. There's also stuff like technology and cyber warfare, right? Like hacking into someone's defense systems to launch nukes on themselves. Right. Like, yeah, it's technically like using a computer or some sort of component to basically physically manipulate, um, you know, someone's defenses. But, but but is a software technically a physical weapon? Like yeah. where, where does the boundary lie? So we're talking about a bunch of numbers, like a bunch of ones and zeros, right? So like where does the physical element like end and then like the technology or even magical at some point begin, right? Those kinds of gray areas, rather than trying to justify their, like, their spot in physical weapons, we're just going to outright just say, it depends. It's not the best answer, but it really does depend. Now, Will touched on a point, which is physical weapons that have magical properties. It, It is, as you said, Will, it is kind of a case-by-case what is our definition. Because you, the listener, might have a different perception of what a physical weapon is. And obviously, we can't agree on everything. So we have decided, at least... I guess I have decided that if it's a physical weapon that has magical properties, it is not considered, quote-unquote, what we would call magical weapons. Because when we get into our magical weapons episode, we would talk more about, like, abilities, skills, spells, wizardry, mages, that kind of thing. Incantations and all that. Yes. Curses. For intense, for, like, if I had to boil it down, physical weapons is your swords, your guns, your bows and arrows... Those kinds of things. That is the really one sentence definition. 
which is fine because just within those five you mentioned, right? Like there's already so many that we can choose from, from all the shit that we've watched over the past however many years we've been watching anime and reading manga. So a reason of that it is so hard to define what a physical weapon is, is when it comes to anime and manga because it's fictional and because it's animated, certain liberties can be made that really stretch the idea of what is a physical weapon. Yeah. A lot of times, like, when we watch anime and read manga, they're based in, like, real-life surroundings and environments, but they're not always grounded in reality. Right. And sometimes weapons, as as we said with, like, cyber warfare and hacking, does not have a physical shape or a form, but I would still consider it somewhat physical rather than magical, obviously. Also, do these weapons break the law of what we call conventional reality? Does it distort it? Does it alter it in some way? And even if it does, like, for example, Will, if I have a sword in my hand, just a regular sword, but I quote-unquote imbue it or enchant it with fire, so it becomes a fire sword, which is very typical in a lot of mediums, does that count as a magical weapon or does it count as a physical weapon with magical properties? And I know I'm being very pedantic here, but that's kind of the point no, of yeah, this discussion. Exactly, right? Like, it's 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 not that black and white. It's it's very much a gray area kind of topic because of the fact that when when we talk about anime, specifically a lot of the shows that we're talking about, a lot of them are very like either dystopian or fantasy or supernatural. So therefore, like even if you do see a physical weapon, it's not always just used like as is. Just because you see a katana or you see a kunai or you see a gun, that's not the only purpose it serves. Yeah, because if we were to talk about weapons of any sort and especially when it pertains to physical weapons if it's just a generic cop with a gun for example or a a, a rpg or launcher right like that is in itself not that interesting so therefore if we want to have a real good discussion about our memorable physical weapons it makes sense that those are kind of not quote unquote your conventional idea of a typical physical weapon or There is something about it. Like, if I were to talk about, I don't know, let me think. Like, Cowboy Bebop. There are guns in it, and but most of those guns don't carry any significance other than it's just a gun. Will and I will be talking about Black Lagoon. And yeah, there are some, like, a couple of guns that are very uh, prominent and important, and they stand out. But a lot of them also are just, like, whatever, right? They're just guns. They're just machine guns. They're just turrets they're just whatever yeah they're they're tools for the character to further exemplify something that's happening within that scene whether it's to assert dominance whether it's to basically like do self-defense but it's never like necessarily the the focus like the the gun is just a gun the sword is just the sword but in other cases when we see weapons of sorts they do play into the general theme of of the series. We will talk about those uh, as this discussion develops as well. I think that also another thing to consider when it comes to physical weapons is actually not about the weapon itself, but about the user or the person that is wielding using that weapon. Because, as you might expect, it's like it's like two halves that need to come together. A weapon by itself, unless it's like automated or whatever, so we're excluding that exception, it's just by itself cannot do anything. Yeah, like for example, Samurai Champloo, 
right? It's very much set in a, a real-life environment. Everybody who has a sword is trained in it in one way or another, and there's no, like, supernatural magical elements to it. So what separates the the, the, the holder of the sword and the sword themselves, right? Like, what's, is, it, is it just skill? Is it just training? Is it just, you know, mental and emotional aptitude? Like, w there's a lot of things that, you know, we want to focus on rather than just the weapons. Like, is it, when you talk about, like, Mugen, for one, right? Like, he is a very, very good, like, sword fighter, but he also fights a completely different style from everyone else because he's his own man. He's his own character. He has his own way of fighting. More barbaric compared to the, the usual, more stoic and and disciplined samurai. Yeah, which is my style, I yeah. guess. So clearly we can see which team you're on for Samurai Champloo. But absolutely. Hey, the, but the, again, is the focus on the sword? Not necessarily, right? No, because by itself, it's just a sword. Oh, it might be a good quality sword, but it's just a sword. And also... The proficiency of the user is extremely important. For example, um, I think a very easy comparison to make is from Attack on Titan. The air maneuver gear is obviously a trademark of Attack on Titan. But I would argue that, for example, Mikasa, who is kind of portrayed as, or Levi, is portrayed as the, the people who are so good with it. But if you put it in the hands of, like, let's say, me, I'll be like... The fuck is this? Even though it could be the exact same weapon, and then if you give it to Mikasa or Levi, they would just fly and kill everything with ease. Or oh, but you put it, but you give it to Armin, bro. Yeah, you're kind of fucked, dude, bro. Armin, you give it to Sasha. Yeah, you're kind of fucked, dude. I mean, it's there's no potatoes on on those air maneuver gears, and with Armin, he probably needs glasses. He doesn't have glasses, right? But he probably yeah so again sometimes the, the 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 weapons themselves the gear they use is just a further extension of the person's character how good they are at something how bad they are at something how disciplined how emotionally capable they are how strong they are you know they're, they're merely they're merely tools in those instances and when we talk about the weapon user it is extremely important because they give meaning to the weapon so for example the motive of a weapon user is extremely important because, for example, with a sword, you could strike someone down or you can defend yourself. So in those instances, they're both polar opposites, but it, it stems from the same user and stems from the same weapon. So therefore, it, there is no, unless if it's like, oh, a cursed sword or whatever, in which case then you're getting back to that gray area of if it's magical or physical. For all intents and purposes, the motive is determined by the user and their proficiency and skills is independent of usually the physical weapon themselves. I also think another important weapon that comes to my mind is Psychopaths and the Dominator. In that story, that cyberpunk anime, which Will and I really like, the main... Still haven't watched season three yet. And the movies, but we'll get to that, right? I'm more likely to watch the movie than to watch Psychopath Three. I heard Psychopath Three is okay. I heard it's okay, but they they they, they retcon. No, they didn't retcon. They rebooted it, right? But the Dominator, which is the gun, because in that society, kind of violence is outlawed, and if you were to exhibit hostile behavior, you're immediately branded and need to be. Yeah, dealt if, with. If your social quotient or your mental quotient like, exceeds a certain number. Then you had to be taken out, right? And that's and that's how the weapons 
come to use, right? Like, without that system in place, those weapons are fucking useless. And also, the Dominators cannot be used by everyone. In fact, it can only be used by selected individuals because they have some sort of, like, biologic biometric imprint, right? So it will not activate unless uh, that user were to try to wield it rather than some guy off the street. But there's also certain cases where the user wants to do something with the weapon, but they cannot for the life of them because the system in place does not register. And that is the main theme, or I guess the main villain of season one, really. Yeah. So again, like when we talk about how the weapons themselves aren't always going to be like the focus, rather they're just a tool to further exemplify the, the, the theme or the characters themselves. Psychopaths is like a classic example of it. Right, like, okay, let's be real. The Dominator looks fucking awesome. It does. Have you ever seen the? There, there's a guy that made a, an actual 3D render of it. Yes. Uh, there, a uh, ProZD has. Yeah, dude, they has a web show. Dope. Yeah, they look fucking dope. But in practice, when you actually use them, it's super dependent because of the fact that yes, as you might imagine, with a with a cyberpunk dystopian society, sometimes you know society fails you. Sometimes things just don't work out the way you would because of how broken society is. And this is not really a spoiler. The Dominator has two modes, which is stun or to kill. And unfortunately, the wielder cannot determine that independently. It has to be assessed by the, the quote-unquote system in place such that if the system registers that, oh, this person needs to be killed rather than stunned, it can it does that and there's nothing the wielder can do about it other than i guess not pull the trigger yeah i mean it sounds like quote unquote straightforward right like if they're a bad person they need to be killed if they could be you know if, if, they, if they can be you know saved then you can just stun them and then rehabilitate them but that's again not down to your own free will it is predetermined by the system that you live under so when you for example see uh someone who registers as a kill target but when you actually see them with your own eyes you just look at them and you're like Wait, why are you targeted? Why are you like triggering the kill the, the the kill trigger? Why why can't I just stun you or why should I even shoot you? But that's not up to you to choose. Right. So going back to away from the user now to talk about the weapon itself. A source that I usually find a lot of inspiration from when it comes to discussions or a way to structure definitions is to borrow from role-playing games, RPGs. In this case, Dungeons and Dragons, which is a very well-known tabletop RPG. They have split melee weapons into the different types of forces. So there's blunt or belligerent, pierce, and slash. And then when it comes to range, there is like projectiles, your bows and arrows. And then even though it's not DND, you would add in guns, in especially in anime and manga or in, in real life and whatnot. And I think that that's a very good kind of introduction to the different types of physical weapons when you classify them because there's definitely a difference between a hammer and a sword and an axe but how do you differentiate them and D&D obviously had thought that through and and they they have done it as so and things were like projectiles are definitely physical weapons because think of like kunais think of shurikens in Naruto and some of those instances those kunais or those shurikens are imbued with ninjutsu. So it is a very, very hard subject to very definitively say that this fact is 100% right 
all the time. And yeah, like does bullets count? Well, what happens if the gun doesn't use traditional bullets, use, I don't know, laser? Like souls. Souls, you know? Like how does that work? Yeah, I think it's good that we have this kind of definition set in place. Again, we're not saying that like anime weapons are based off of D and D, like like the the, the the definitions of what weapons should be. But it's a, at least it's a good bit of reference material, right? Exactly, and the fact that we used it also for our anime and manga villains proved very uh, effective in trying to convey what we're trying to say because they did it more eloquently. And therefore, we utilized it. Yeah, I mean, like, there's there's a lot of like real life grounding from D and D as as far. I mean, like, as much as it is like you know based on like high fantasy and all that, right? You still have those real life elements. The fact that like a sword is still very much a sword, right? A club is much very much a club, and in our cases here, a gun is a gun, unless it's, until it's not a gun anymore. But then at that point, like, you start getting into the gray areas again. Right. Now another aspect that we kind of determined is uh, considered a physical weapon or not is kind of their limitations. And as you might expect, one of the most well-known limitations of real physical objects is wear and tear. And when, if it degrades, I think it convinces me that it is more of a physical weapon than a magical one. I mean, if, if it magically heals up, I'll be like that there's magical properties in that. Like it's already less physical in the, in the traditional sense. Yeah. Unfortunately most shows don't really have that like built into their portrayal of weapons. Like you don't really see like weapon degradation for the most part, but you do see it in some cases, especially when it comes to guns. Yeah, you see gun jamming at like the the quote unquote worst or best possible moments. Yeah. Or, you know, hey, most most guns only have like rounds like 10 or 13 rounds what happens when you use all 13 rounds is you're going to suddenly have is your is your is your clip suddenly going to produce a magic bullet out of nowhere also you as the viewer or reader are you going to count how many times this person has fired and then be like oh that's not real because he or she should be out of bullets sometimes that does matter but usually in most cases it doesn't matter i mean we watch enough real life like live action shit where like they don't keep track of that either exactly and no one cares unless if it actually is unique that it matters like if the focus is the weapons themselves or like the weapons are used within that specific theme then yeah they will pay notice but for the most part i don't think we care that much at least we shouldn't right again we should not be focusing on how realistic sometimes weapons can be again they are more just tools to convey a theme to theme to convey an idea or to convey further character development I think another, I guess, very uh, clear line that I draw between physical weapons and magical weapons is the person that is taking the quote-unquote hit or the damage. If, for example, there is an ethereal force like a like a ghost or a yokai in an, or an oni where it doesn't affect the person, I would consider that more magical than physical because... If you could damage these mythical ghosts or creatures, then that implies that the physical weapon has the ability to do something outside, again, the confines of conventional reality and conventional laws of nature. And therefore, 
I would consider it more of a magical weapon, at least than a physical one. Yeah. So, like for example, if like someone uses a club and smashes somebody and it causes bruising, yeah, that's you know typically what you would expect as a physical reaction to getting hit by a club. Same like you got you know slashed by a dagger or a sword, you know your skin would rupture. You know you start bleeding out. Same thing. But if for some reason, like for example, you get hit by a club and then your skin starts to erode, right, or it starts to decay. You know, like 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 from from like my hair academia, like whatever it touches, your skin starts to fall apart. At that point, you then wonder, like, this is no longer a physical thing anymore, right? So, you know, I, I realize that we're getting into that gray area again. But again, this also explains why the discussion is not that straightforward. And we will continue to get close to it, and we're gonna have to bring it back. And then similarly with magical weapons, but from the other side, basically. So. It is hard to determine sometimes, as it's unsurprisingly, what is considered a physical weapon. But things like durability, practicality, uh, the application, the application, the the fact does it break the laws of reality. Those things are very are are pretty solid in terms of foundations to defining what a physical weapon is. So there's that. Now, Will, what kind of weapons? come to mind when it comes to physical there's, weapons. There's so many. I know. There, there's, there's so many. Like, for example, I I like, I used to read Bleach, and I think Bleach is okay in general. But I would say some of the weapons in Bleach are pretty good, are pretty cool. Are you talking about pre-Bankai or post-Bankai? Mm. Like, when you look at the Zanpakuto, right, and then you have the Bankai moment, there is one thing you can't deny, though. Pre and post, all the weapons are pretty sick. Yeah, except they're recycled like fifteen times. But yes, yes, yes. yes. Hey man, like what, what? What else do you want Bleach to do? Like we've already like stepped in and, and spat on Bleach so many times. But to be fair, like I think Bleach has a decent amount of action scenes, and their use of weapons is very distinctive of that series. And it it goes without saying that if we talk about Bleach. Weapons is pretty much the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, like if you take away the Quincy's arrows, you take away the the Shinigami's swords. Like you're you're not going to be watching Bleach anymore. Now, even though those things are quote unquote not within the lo- the laws of reality, because there's a physical form. Again, gray area. We're defining magical weapons mainly as spells and incantations and powers and abilities. So, for this purpose, Bleach is weapons are physical weapons now one of i think the most well-known anime and manga physical weapon and almost purely physical is berserk i think berserk is not only a very good series very long and very well known but it is in a high fantasy world these swords and the the trademark like what do you call it great sword bastard sword yeah is so like if i think of berserk the first thing that comes to mind is guts and the sword i don't think of anything else first for the most part when it's like whenever you watch anything that's based in like a fantasy or you like a medieval kind of setting you usually think oh like swords and shields you think like maces like morning stars um spears bows and arrows crossbows and that kind of shit but then you see that one person walking on the field and they have a massive two-handed weapon, especially it being a sword. 
Like, we're not talking about just no axes. We're not talking about halberds and stuff like that. We're talking about a fucking sword that is as big and as wide as an average human being. Yep. Like, you know that person walking on the scene is... He's going to wreck some shit. He's about to fuck shit up. Yeah. And, and if they're not going to, they're fully capable of it. You don't want to piss them off. Exactly. So, I think in terms of swords, another well-known sword is from Demon Slayers. Those are very, I wouldn't say unique, but for example, like there are certain, uh, I guess, pillars, right? Their followers, like the butterfly people, mm. their sword is like a rapier versus your traditional samurai sword. Yeah, your katanas are, it, again, it, when we're talking about Japanese weapons, you can't say anything other than the katana being the iconic weapon, right? right. You might have your kunai and your shurikens, and it will... Actually, I'll, I'll talk about this, and then we'll bring it back to your discussion of the Demon Slayer thing. Sure. Kunas and shurikens are always fucking useless in every anime I've watched. Nah. They barely do anything. But when you see a katana on the scene, you know damn well that shit is about to go off. Okay. So I'm trying my best not to talk about spoilers. So I will be as vague as possible. But there is a fight in Naruto where um, is before Shippuden. So before... Oh, I know what you're talking about. And a kunai or kind of weapon is used to deceive someone so there was that then there is a fight in an examination where a person with very superior intellect uses a kunai and the environment to gain the upper hand and win that battle yeah i guess when it's like when it's used as like the weapon itself like you throw a shuriken you throw a kunai almost always it gets battered away but but, I when you, but when you see a katana on your scene, yo, this, no, is, no, no. this is the moment. So you didn't get uh, you, I didn't get to say the second half, which was so those examples they are like um you know like employee of the month, employee of the year, yeah. right? But then you have like the millions and millions and trillions of sh- shurikens and kunais that are just like, well, you guys are useless. That's that's the point I was trying to make. Can you imagine if they made a live action? And you think about how many times you have to throw a shuriken, and it's like. I have to pick the shit up again. Oh, oh fuck. Just... Will, 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 Will. Did you hear about the anime adaptation of, oh, I was a salary man and then died and got reincarnated as a useless kunai? That would actually... Oh, wow. Look at you. Yeah, bro. That, that's a million dollar idea right there. Patent that shit. Trademark that. Okay, so... Yo, Square Enix, we got a light level for you. But katanas are just badass. And in this case... In terms of Japanese culture, whether it's anime or manga or historically speaking, like factually historically speaking, the weapon of the katana and even, as Will says, the attitude and philosophy of the way of the samurai matters so much and is so ingrained in that historical aspect of Japanese people. In terms of like militaristic ranking and power, like the, the way of the samurai, therefore the way of the katana, the way of the blade is extremely extremely important to Japanese culture. Therefore, like whenever you see a katana, you know damn well that this is going to be a good focus for however long this episode runs. I mean, for example, when you when samurais were to lose honor and kind of regain it back and commit seppuku, they use their katana and it is I mean, if just like the the description of it is actually pretty gruesome. But the fact that it holds so much weight and the fact that 
It can't just be any sword. It has to be my sword because I have to redeem my honor because I dishonored you or uh, like threw shame on my family or whatever. So it is extremely important. The katana is without a doubt integral to Japanese culture and in Japanese anime and manga, bro. It's, especially in respect to Demon Slayer as well. The yeah. katana is extremely integral as well. Right. Because, yes, you can do those water arts, those fire arts with the katana. But without it, what can you do? Not to mention as well, it's like it looks fucking awesome. I mean, look, right? look UFO table, you're, you, guys are, you guys are doing fine, man. I mean, not with the tax stuff. But, yeah, you guys are doing okay. Yeah. Like, imagine the, the, they changed the blades into, I don't know, like... A regular two-handed sword that you see from like medieval times, or like you maybe like a rapier or like a, a dagger of sorts, just wouldn't have the same effect. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because it's, it's it's about it's a bit it's about it's symbolism, right? It's it's about it's about honor. It's about the portrayal of like the highest of high accolades when it comes to militaristic power. Did you say symbolism? Symbolism. There you go. I tried to say symbolic. In that yeah, idea. I know, I know, I know, I know exactly what it is. So I'm just, I just thought it was pretty funny. So, Me no speak English. So, Will, if I, even though we haven't, quote-unquote, really got into magical weapons, even though we have kind of given, you know, kind of a foreshadowing of what we're going to talk about, what are kind of your points of counterpoints towards why physical weapons are superior than magical weapons? Ooh, that one's a hard one. A hard one to answer, because you can easily make an excuse for why magical weapons are more superior absolutely right? right i mean like the, the amount of destruction you can do with a magic weapon or just magic in general is vast it's right? like limitless in a way right yeah and it's also like the fact that it's like when you say for example like casting like a spell that could destroy that could set fires in like a hundred mile radius compared to what a, a measly sword can do but in in terms of like the world of anime and manga the main thing that we always have that drives the mc is passion it's about obsession. It's about not Calvin Klein, <laughs> passion, obsession, Calvin Klein. Um, it's more the fact that characters tend to like doing things with their own hands, with their own grit, with their own determination to be able to achieve what was deemed impossible. Right? Like literally, impossible is nothing here. Nothing is impossible, bro. Bro, we can't do that, man. We're gonna we're gonna get sued, bro. It's okay. Uh, well, no, 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 it's not okay to get sued, but we won't get sued. So, like, yeah, no one, no one, uh, no one listens. But to I this. think, I think most of the time, whenever we we watch any of these kinds of um, supernatural or fantasy based anime um, that do have um, weapons, occasionally fighting against magic users, you usually see the magic users like dominate for like ninety percent of the fight, and then all of a sudden, oh, their heart starts to pump a little faster. You know, their eyes widen. They, they're, they're, the grip on their sword tightens even harder, and then all of a sudden, they just innately channel that 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 adrenaline, that gusto that they had to be able to overcome these obstacles. Like case in point, like it's not a weapon, right? But there's nothing more iconic than the Rock Lee and Gara fight from Bro, Naruto. Oh my god, yeah, dude, that is yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. That is the in my mind the pinnacle of physical versus well in this case it's it's hand-to-hand but magical versus something that is more grounded in non-magical properties right right using chakra to manipulate your environment whereas with rock he's just using his own bare hands and feet 
Exactly. So even though we did say we exclude hand-to-hand -hand combat, like that that example and that fight is actually a very, very good illustration of the difference in terms of the physical versus the magical. I think also another important thing that personally I've realized in all sorts of media is that because magic in a way by definition is beyond the laws of reality, it's in some ways limitless and defined by the creator, the, the property or whatever, or the in-world in uh, way. But usually, usually, they purposely try to basically nerf the magical weapons. So such that, for example, if you play video games, you play Japanese RPGs, or you play what anything, mana points is used to cast spells. But when you're out of mana, your spells are useless. But your sword is never useless. Yeah, it's the same in Naruto as well, right? You can have all the chakra in the world, but then once you deplete it, you can no longer do your ninjutsu or your genjutsu. And then that's when you have to tie into using your taijutsu instead, which is what Rock Lee and Guy has been training all their lives for. Yeah, so I think that... It's about the heart, man. It's not... It's not. Yeah, it's just... It's not only about that, but it's also about consistency, right? The, the foundation is rock solid because... I feel like a lot of people try to meet halfway where they try to nerf physical weapons in their or physical abilities in in their world and kind of enhance the physical weapons kind of be like oh the the if you change your grip or something all of a sudden you can strike a boulder in half or whatever. Here's another example as well. Jabba's reincarnation, right? When Rudy gets born and he starts to train, right? He it, the parents knew this is going to he's going to be a mage he's going to be a magic user but his dad's like no before he does any of that i'm training him in the basics of hand-to-hand -hand and weapon-based combat and then you just see him training him using like the swords getting his footing down his footwork knowing how to position and parry fights because then the next part was when he starts actually learning how to use magic he then uses those magic abilities to try and trick his dad right like throwing dust in the air creating like little shards of like glass and then like aiming it towards him but every single time he does that his dad knows in terms of the most basic militaristic maneuvers how to overcome those magic elements with all of a sudden oh he, he made quicksand on the ground oh he knows how to adjust his footing to be able to get out Oh, all of a sudden, like these glass shards start falling towards him. He knows how to use his sword to parry them or to deflect them. And then he's still able to beat a magic user because of the fact that he has very strong grounding in militaristic basics. I think that, and this would be my last point in terms of the physical and magical weapons, which is superior, is kind of, in many ways, the limitations. So, as I said with... Uh, Magical weapons, you get, like, mana, right? But fine. Typically, in all sorts of media, the mage is always, like, the weak one that hides in the back, that casts the massive, important spells, but is super weak in terms of physical capabilities. So, in a way, I would say one of the greatest weaknesses that I've noticed in terms of magical weapons, that physical weapons are superior, is compla complacency. Because yeah. with... with and rigid, like rigidity, and because physical weapons are more adaptable. Because, for example, oh, if you cast a spell, you are stuck, and you have to do the incantation or you have to do the chanting, or it is so powerful that you get lazy. Whereas you get the physical 
guy. You get the Saitama who does 100 push-ups, you know, working his ass off. You get the Rock Lee and Guy who literally had to overcome all these barriers. So similarly to what you're saying about the heart, Will, because they had to, they, they're playing life on hard mode. So this, if you were to come at me with like really tough shit, if I was playing life on hard mode, it would just be like an, another day, another walk in the park. But maybe for a mage, they're like, bro, if I can't cast my spells, I'm useless. Yeah, survival instinct is one thing that like you get ingrained. In the, it, again, it's like, we're going back to the whole D&D thing, right? Where, right. Where, where fighters, for them, like they know death is around the corner at any minute. So they're always fighting to be able to save their own neck and accept that death at some point is an inevitability. But when you're playing like a more like magic-based kind of character or like when you're watching magic-based characters in an anime, a lot of times those are their safety nets. They're able to cast something to be able to either imbue themselves with like a, like a magic shield or, or or cast like fire out of their hands to, to, to crowd control or to just do massive amounts of damage. And you're always like, ha, 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 I'm so fucking strong. You can't do shit to me. But then when you start getting closer and closer and you beat up all those obstacles, you get to them, they start pissing their pants. So, like, yeah, most of the time, magic users, typically, they get more portrayed as, as meek and weak mild and just small yeah i know uh, then th- that's not to say that there aren't examples that counter that but- oh yeah no there are, uh, the part where you start seeing those buff magic users at that point yo like forget everything right like, but, this, this is not a fair battle at but all. like edge cases aside i agree will that the portrayal of magic users is because they are academic they're book smart they they are more intellectual so to speak the physical users are more superior in terms of strength and adaptability and survivability in yeah. general. We're not going to the whole sort of like nerd versus jock, brain versus brawn kind of discussion. It's This it, is just merely just what we have seen in anime and manga. And therefore, like when it comes to the battle between magic and, and, and physical weapons, that's, that's just usually how it plays out. And we're basing this off of our own personal observations. All right. So now that we have gone on for quite a bit about the discussions, which I honestly really like, another thing that Will and I really like is to recommend anime or mangas to watch if you so desire to choose the camp of physical weapons over magical. So, Will, how do you want to go? We have yeah. a number of anime and mangas to recommend. We got a couple. Um, I mean, like obviously, we're not going to go through all of them because like there are going to be some very notable weapons, like for example, the wooden sword from Gintama or the gun like from Vash Stampede in in Trigun, even the in, even the sword from Blood Plus, all that shit, right? But what we want to more talk about is where the weapons themselves can be the center of focus, or they help to enhance your enjoyment of a specific anime series, which we'll go over. I think we have eight in total. Eight or nine, yeah. Eight or nine. But I would say let's start off with a banger, bro. Let's start off, at least from my perspective, like because we're going to alternate, right? Well, I'm assuming. Let's start with Black Lagoon. I'm so happy you got onto it. So Black Lagoon is based on the manga of the same name by Rei Hiroe. Yeah. And it was published in English by Viz Media. The current status is... Okay, okay. Let me go. Let me just... Talk about the facts first, and then we'll go back to the current status. So it premiered in spring 2006, produced by Madhouse Studios. The total anime run is two seasons and an OVA, with the OVA being five episodes. And um, we won't mention the name of it because it's kind of a spoiler. And I watched it. I watched only the first season, but I really want to watch the rest of it on Netflix. I mean, it's not just on Netflix, but I watched it there. 
All right, well, going back to earlier what I was saying, the status of the manga is actually... So fucking unknown. So if can you just spend like 30 seconds explaining that? So they have been having a consistent run of uh, releases for a couple of years. Then in 2010, um, Ray decided to go on a major hiatus, and it just stopped for five years. 2015, it came back. And then after that, another five years of nothing. So they went not just through one major highest, but two, both of them being five years long. Now, last year and this year, they've gone back to regular circulation. So it looks like things are back on again, though we never know if another hiatus is around the corner. Okay, that's good to know. Now, Will has said many numerous times that Black Lagoon is one of his top ten personal favorite animes of all time and i've always been kind of iffy in terms of my feelings on it because i think i watched it a long long time ago because i remember one episode in particular that involves a submarine but i don't remember a lot of everything else so i decided to rewatch black lagoon and uh it's, it's actually really really good like it's Basically piracy, right? Like, they're pirates, bro. Yeah, they're, literally what a pirate's life is. Oh, are, so you are a salary man, and this guy, and you, you, you basically got hung out to dry. You're the scapegoat. All right, fuck the corporate world. I'm just going to be a motherfucking pirate. That is Black Lagoon. It's, it's incredible because of the fact that it's, it focuses not just like on these pirates, but like just the whole like crime syndicate underworld that spans globally yeah it's not just the one culture it's literally different nationalities everything is crazy every single syndicate you can think of right will eventually make some sort of appearance in so, some capacity yeah so if you like that kind of stuff right if you like like gangster documentaries like or like just videos about like crime in general not because you like crime but because you find the topic of itself interesting Please don't get into crime. It's a terrible thing. But this is... We're not speaking from experience, but in general, it's pretty easy to say crime is not a good thing to do. This is is really good. In a similar way where, like, Banana Fish is kind of similar, like, in terms of talking about crime syndicates, Banana Fish is really good, but weapons themselves don't really make much of a difference. I have to say, though, it is a crime that I kind of pushed Black Lagoon to the side. Well, you, you saved yourself in the end. I mean, like, how did you find season one? So, I... I will tell you my score first, which is I gave it a 9 out of 10 of, you know, 4.5 stars out of 5 stars. So not like 10 out of 10, like the greatest of all time. But to get to 9 is actually pretty impressive, in in my opinion. I think that even though this came out in 2006, the widescreen HD version looks pretty fantastic. Even though the aesthetics of it is very of that era. Not to say that it's old school. It, in fact, if anything... They don't really do that kind of style anymore. Yeah, it's it's very much a mid two thousands madhouse style. Ex- like I think of Helsing, that is that almost has the exact same kind of style. Helsing Ultimate, though. So I really, really, really like the characters because they are they are a treasure a treasure trove of just weirdness and weird in a way that is also grounded in reality because we're talking about physical weapons here. Things like grenades, RPGs, missiles, shotguns, and in terms of trademark weapons, the dual-wielding Revy. 
Beretta's specifically. Uh, what's her nickname? Two shot. Yeah. She she basically like, if she doesn't kill you with the first shot, she'll kill you with the second. So, bro, Revy is the main titular female character, and she's the only female character within the pirate group. She is so badass. She wrecks shit. She is like, she is unhinged. And it is really interesting to see the dynamics between her and the salaryman person that turned into a pirate that I mentioned earlier. Because the guy called Rock, even though that's not his name, but people are like, no, you're Rock. That's it. End of story. Okay. And then he's like, fine, I'll deal with it. He is your typical salaryman with his kind of demeanor of a, of like salaryman, basically. Yeah. Revy, Revy is basically extreme nihilistic Mikasa, living life with reckless abandon. Yo, yeah, that's exactly right. Because, like, okay, not spoilers, but, like, Mikasa has gone through some shit in AOT, so therefore she's relatively numb to what life holds for her. Rather, she cares more about those around her, and she'll do whatever it takes to protect them. Revy, on the other hand, doesn't necessarily protect those around her, but she recognizes good intention because of the fact that she's been wrong so many times, it takes a lot for her to trust people, and she does trust you. She might not show it, but she will care. And I think it's really interesting that, in my opinion, Revy's form of love and care is so warped and distorted compared to what a typical person would say is love and care. Not to say that she is twisted and a terrible person. Okay, she's a pirate, but she... Because her upbringing, which is implied only in the first season a little bit, she is very broken. And because of that, that's all she knows. And she's trying her best to be as, quote-unquote, affectionate as possible in certain cases. Except, on the uh, on unless if you know her as a person, you'll be like, dude, that is, what the fuck, man? Yeah, and that's usually what you would see. Because when she turns the Berettas on you, Jesus fucking Christ, she... I, you you could definitely put her in like the discussion of like the best gunslinger in anime. Absolutely, the best dual wielder of all time, probably. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a lo- lot of people like iconic with guns in anime. I mean, one of the most iconic would be like Vash, right? From Trigun, you got Spike from Cowboy Bebop. But like again, but, but with Spike in particular, the gun is just a gun. It's not a double Beretta that is. That they focus on in 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 Black Lagoon, much like when we were talking about guts with his two hander like bastard sword, like the berserker sword. Mm-hmm. When you see someone walking in dual wielding pistols, you know this person lives life on the edge. Like symbolically, this person is living life with complete reckless abandon, no regard for one's safety, and just does whatever is needed to be able to obtain that objective which in most cases is just to kill everyone she sees. The last thing that I would say about Black Lagoon is my favorite character shows up towards the latter third of Black Lagoon. You're going to enjoy the next couple seasons. And brah, that character. I'm not going to say names. I'm not going to say much other than a she. I'll say that. One, and, and, and in one rare instance, I agree. She's also my favorite character. Okay. She's, oh God. Okay, no, 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 we can't do this. I want to rewatch this now. All right, so that is my first recommendation and Will's constant recommendation of Black Lagoon. Yeah, so one show that both Jason and I actually watched 
a couple weeks, not a couple weeks, a couple months ago, actually. Um, it was kind of hard to get into, but so then I decided to watch a couple more episodes just to really understand why this show itself is super popular. The show I'm talking about here is Soul Eater. Now, Soul Eater came out, I think, in the early 2000s. Yeah, early 2000s? No, actually, like, like actually, wait, the, the anime part, or the manga? The latter part, just the anime itself, uh, premiered spring 2008, uh, ran for just over four curves, um, so totaling 51 episodes. Though, I think stuff around that time didn't necessarily say, like, oh, season one, season two, season three. It kind of just released them and then said, here's a break, here's the next part, da 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 da. Uh, what I will say about 51 episodes is that it is just one week shy of a year. And usually that week is uh, the week that all Japanese people go on holiday. I yeah. think Golden Week or something like that. So yeah. just basically just work or like full year or like New Year's Eve, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, so Soul Eater, done by Bones. Bones is really good studio. Yeah, it, it definitely has a Bones aesthetic as well. Um, it's the show itself is is very interesting uh, because of the fact that it's one. It's if if anyone here is like familiar with Noragami. It kind of follows a similar weapon style in that the weapons themselves actually have human form. Um, so uh, uh, I'm not going to go into the Noragami shit because it actually is kind of a spoiler. But in this case, the weapons are essentially partners of the main uh, soul eaters or like the main like Shinigami in this world. Um, so the main thing for them is that it, for the most part, they'll have a physical form. As in, like, a sword or, like, a pair of guns or a pair of scythes, right? Now, one thing I liked about Soul Eater is that it's it's wacky. It's a very fun show to watch. It is very wacky, and it reminds me of what Shonan was like. Yeah. So, like, it essentially follows the three main demon hunters. Um, now, the reason why it was actually kind of, like, a little bit weird to watch the first it turns out the first three episodes act as a prologue so episode one follows one character episode two the next episode three the next and then episode four onwards you see them all together yeah so it follows Ah. yeah that's why right that's why it was like why are we focusing on these two characters only for episode one you see no one else right um so essentially there are three main uh demon hunters right uh one is named uh maka alburn Who's just focused in the first episode? The second episode is focused on Black Star, um, and then the third episode follows Death to Kid. So, Maka Alburn has a, a big ass scythe. Okay. What about the second one? He has a he has a dual pair, sickle. Dual sickles. Right. And what about the third one, which I have not? I don't know. The third one. <laughs> so get this, he dual wields guns as well. Okay, okay. He, he has you a, have my attention, bro. He has a pair of Thompsons. Like, as in, like, the old-school mafia gun? As in, no, just basically the girls are actually called Thompson. One's called Patricia, and one's, one's called Patty, <laughs> one's called Lizzie. Okay, yeah, go on. Now, the weird thing, however, is that I think it's actually more gimmicky than anything. He holds his guns upside down. So he pulls the trigger with his pinkies. Yeah, but he's very good at it. He's very, very good at it. I mean, if that's how you that's do it. That's the main shtick for if, him. If, that, if that's how 
you've been doing it all along. Who are we to judge, right? But my God, what what a gimmick, right? Yeah. So the the main purpose of this uh, discussion for this topic is that um, you know we want to talk about the weapons, right? So this is where it kind of again reaches that gray area because the weapons themselves also have human form. So you actually see them just walking around like side by side, but when they actually start going into battle, boom, change into weapon form. So therefore, we considered it physical weapons because when they are their physical weapon form they do what the weapon is supposed to do they can talk though but it's it's just like a in that case a normal weapon right oh, yeah when he when when um when uh shit what's his name uh when soul eater uh transforms into the scythe he literally slashes like a scythe when the two thompson twins like transform into their guns they just fire regular bullets nothing new nothing magical all right, so what is your take on your opinion on Soul Eater? So Soul Eater is an interesting discussion because of the fact that it's not that original. A lot of stuff around that time was very much focused on like the whole Shinigami demon kind of... Cashing demon. in on that trend, yeah. Yeah, so the, the show is quite decent. I quite like it. The music is really cool. I do like the music. Um, and... To this day, it still remains very popular. I think it's in the the top fifty, or no, the uh, manga 50, is in the top fifty in the, terms of popularity. I think anime, it's fifty two, so close to it. Oh, okay, almost one point four million members on my anime list. That's a lot and of I members. See, I can see why because it it definitely focuses a lot on like the typical shonen action trio tropes that you see in like Bleach. In, 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 in Hunter x Hunter, in One Piece, in, in Naruto. Jujutsu Kaisen. Jujutsu Kaisen, yeah. Uh, and soon to be Chainsaw Man. So, yeah, like, I like it because all the characters themselves are fundamentally stupid. Like, they're, <laughs> they're all really dumb characters. And it's just great because it's just one of those things. It's, it's, it's so tropey that you just see them like... How the hell did you not figure this out in the first place? How did you do this? But then the last two minutes, when all of a sudden their IQ hits 420, 69, XXX, uh, all of a 360 sudden. 360 no-scope, right? Yeah, they no-scope that shit. And all of a sudden you're just like, wow, they're actually really fucking dope. I like it. It, it It's the, the weapons themselves, like the human form of weapons and, and, and switching back and forth. It doesn't really feel that gimmicky. You start to like feel more of an affinity to these characters. You just like want to see like... Why they became demon hunters? Why are they so like fixated on using these specific weapons? So it sounds to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, Will, that even though Soul he- Soul Eater is a very quote unquote typical shonen, there is it's done well enough, and there's enough of a spin or twist such that it is a very solid entry in in the shonen genre, but it doesn't break any grounds. The it's characters just- themselves make it. Not to mention the weapon choices also make it. Yeah, I understand if you're like a demon hunter and you're using a scythe or a sickle. Um, cool. It, I mean, it's very appropriate to the theme, right? Oh, I um, don't know what Grim Reapers are, man. Yeah, but then again, the I gotta say, there are two things I really didn't like about Soul Eater, which is why the hell the guy dual wields guns with his pinkies. And this is just a slate. I, I don't want to be super harsh, but the... The voice acting for Maka Alburn, I thought was really bad. And the fact that she's a main character, right? I mean, you watched the first episode. What did you think? Do you remember it? It was all right. It so, was all right. It was like, it, again, it, it reminds me of like a whiny girl. 
but but she 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 sounds really nasally too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I, it was just it was just really like it actually hurt to hear her voice. I'm mm. sorry, I'm sorry, whoever your your whatever your name is. But I did see that she also voice acted as one of the supporting characters in Bungo Stray Dogs, one that I actually really liked, and she sounds way better. Okay, she's a lot better in that one. So thank you for getting better. All right, so we talked about Black Lagoon. We talked about Soul Eater. We're running out of time. So yeah, okay. What's so, next? I think one of the m- most interesting animes that I've watched for this is called World End. The full title, which is based on a light novel of the same name, is called World End Colon. What do you do at the end of the world? Are you busy? Will you save us? It, it literally just sounds like someone just spam texting you. It's like, hey, bro, hey, bro, bro, are you with us? You want to save me? Hey, yeah. hey, what are you going to do at the end of the world? Uh, the light novel is currently published in full in English by Yen Press. There is a manga adaptation, but no official English stuff. And there is a spinoff and sequels. The anime premiered in 2017 spring. There is only 12 episodes, and it is produced by Satellite and C2C, which is kind of like okay-ish studios. But I would say that this is the Dark Horse anime because... It's really hard to describe what it's about other than there is this guy who saves the world and then gets petrified and then wakes up 500 years later and turns out that humanity has been wiped out. Everyone lives on in the skies as as levitating islands and there are all these, I guess, different races that have propped up instead of humans and he is the last remaining human. But okay, he is tasked somehow with managing a weapon storage facility so he's like fine i'll just do that he shows up to this so-called weapon storage facility and it's full of little kids and he's like what why what's going on and that is the start the first episode of world end and it just gets way way crazier every single episode almost to the end where every episode they build on it on this like it's just weird it's just they build on layers and layers and layers because it turns out that these kids are weapons i'm just gonna leave it at that what the f- <laughs> yep and it, actually that's actually pretty perfect that after i talked about soul eater that- exactly and uh there actually is not that much action there is like a huge action scene in the end but instead, it focuses on the main guy, Wilhelm, who is the caretaker of this facility. And it talks about, you know, you know that saying, you know, like when people go to war and then there's like the wife who has to wait for the person to come back and yeah, they don't yeah, know yeah. if they are alive or dead until they come back. Or in Saving Private Ryan, um, some guy comes in, you know, it's not the husband, so he dies or whatever. In battle. They, w- they walk over and they pull out a medal yep. and a letter. So Wilhelm is basically that. And it talks about like how fucked up life and war can be. And it's actually really, really good. I gave it an 8.5, but more 8 than 9 out of 10. So basically four stars. You finished it, right? Finished it this morning. And uh, shit gets real. I really want to know what happens, but... I. I'm not going to read light novels. But you should watch the anime. It's really good. Right. Okay. So uh, that sounds interesting too. 
actually a lot of these shows that we have on this list are very interesting. The next one I want to talk about is uh, so you know how I talked about demon hunters, yeah, right. Well, what if you want to become a demon hunter, but it turns out you are a demon yourself? Oh, bro, yeah. what? Okay, so you're hunting is, your own it's, kind. It's not a spoiler, by the way. Those who think it is, because it literally happens in the first episode. So come at me if you're angry with me. Um, so this is. <laughs> The show was called Blue Exorcist, and I I, I really like the show. Uh, so Blue Exorcist came out in 2015, I think? Maybe sooner than that. 2011. 11, yeah. Spring. Yeah. Uh, done by A1 Pictures. So two things are guaranteed. One, it's going to look gorgeous, which it does. And two, it's going to sound gorgeous, which it also does. The music in the show is fucking great. I really do like the show. Now, there's going to be a, a bit of a disclaimer in terms of like, watching Soul Eater. Uh, no, not Soul Eater. Sorry, they're talking about the Blue Exorcist. So Blue Exorcist was coming out at the same time when the manga was uh, getting syndicated uh, concurrently. So that basically meant that it had the issue of... Oh, so it's the Full Metal Alchemist versus Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood kind of scenario. Yeah, except that there is no... Brotherhood. Brotherhood, right? Exactly. So, a lot of the stuff was kind of adapted out from the from the manga and more based on anime original adaptation. So it does mean that spoilers again. The ending is anime exclusive. It's not going to be the same as what happens in the manga. Now that doesn't take away from the fact that the anime itself is very enjoyable. So it basically follows a kid named um, Rin, Rin Okamura. So he's just some whippersnapper, fifteen-year-old who just basically has that you know angry kid syndrome, where he's just like everyone's against me, fuck everyone, I don't trust anybody except he trusts his dad. Until one day, all of a sudden, demons start showing up, and he's like, "Wait, why am I seeing all this shit? I can't like." This is weird. Why am I seeing all these 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 like, ethereal apparitions and all that? And then it turns out that demons have now taken over the earth, and they need to do something about it. And uh, he gets handed a sword. The father, before you know, having to send him off, says, "Take the sword with you. Don't let anyone else touch it. This is what we use to protect you." Then he goes off to a demon academy. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. And it turns out his brother who is younger than him, is also a professor at that school because he's been learning about demonology for the longest time. Younger than him. Yeah. Okay. Now, again, this happens in episode two, so don't at me. But he starts getting mad. He's like, why, why did you tell me that? Why, you knew that I was a demon this whole time. Why did you Why did you portray me? I believed you. I believed your dad. And blah, 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 blah. He's really angry. Like, you know, nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. And then the brother starts talking about how he's always cared about him. You don't know nothing. And that you should just shut your mouth because Sasuke, Sasuke, is that you? Basically, stop being edgy, bro. But then all of a sudden, demons start showing up again, and guess what happens? Just like in the other episode, other series talked about, this guy pulls out dual wielded desert eagles and it just starts blasting fools, just shooting fucking ghosts and demons everywhere. And then it turns out that in this world of demon hunting, there are five master classes one which is focused on the way of the gun and one which is focused on the way of the sword there's also one which is based on the way of arcane and divine lore so basically like casting spells and chanting and all that <laughs> it's just like oh but fuck that this guy oh you carry a sword with you you should be a sword master oh yeah that's how i'm going to defeat 
the demon lord. I'm going to become a demon hunting sword master. And that's literally the show. It's fucking dumb, but it's also incredible because it just it doesn't take itself that seriously. At least from what I've seen so far. I've only watched about seven episodes. It gets pretty slice of life. There's a Shukugeki moment in this in this move in this in this series as well. It's it's incredible. It's a fun watch. Uh, the sword itself is also pretty awesome because it's just it's it's one of those full katanas with the hilts and all that, but it's a full black blade because you know because it's called Blue Exorcist. <laughs> no, right. I don't know why. No, it's it, it's just it's just really cool to see that the fighting animation is dope. Um, it's also fun to see another dueling maniac just shooting ghosts out of nowhere when everyone's just like. Why is there a guy holding guns in the middle of Tokyo just shooting? <laughs> right. Okay. So that is your recommendation, right? It's a fun time. 25 episodes. There is a second season called the Kyoto Saga. Um, that takes place in Kyoto? I, I assume so. Uh, the, the issue with the Kyoto Saga is that because of what happened in the anime exclusive ending, they kind of did a reverse. So rather than just going along with the, um, the anime ending and then merging it back with the manga they decided to just basically throw every manga source into it and retcon some stuff. So watch it at your own discretion. I think like if you really wanted the full experience, the the, the, the manga is still ongoing. Go ahead and read the manga. It's not hard to get. But at the same time, the anime itself is worth watching. Don't let the score dissuade you. I, I gave, I'm giving it an 8 at this stage. Okay. I think we only get enough time for one more recommendation each. So... I'm going to recommend Your Moongan, which is based on the manga of the same name, published in English by Viz Media. There's only it's currently finished. There's 11 volumes, 70 chapters. The first season premiered in spring 2012, made by White Fox Studios, and then season 2 came out in fall of 2012. Uh, it's subtitled Perfect Order. Now, Jormungand is probably... Didn't you find out if it's pronounced Jormungand? Or is it Jormungand? Jormungand. If whatever. I, I, I feel it's bad. It's a good show though, right? So, Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex is one of my favorite shows of all time. Not only because I love Ghost in the Shell, but it's a very well done show. It has comprises of a team of people. And every so often, you get the team to go on excursions or adventures and sometimes you would focus on each individual member and their backstory and whatnot a very similar anime of that well, of, of that description is kekai sensen which is battle blood blockade that i think is also really good yormungan is like exactly that it is uh it is the leader is koko who is kind of a white-haired blue-eyed woman and she has her bodyguards one of them being a child soldier who is Yona, or Jonah, if you will. And he is the latest addition to the team. And what business they do, I said toy, uh, kid soldier, is because she deals in weapons. She deals in arms. She buys and sells guns. She kind of starts wars, that kind of thing. And she is very cunning, very devious, and also very smart. And then there's all these interactions with other arms dealers, military, revolutions, guns fucking up people, a lot of blood and guts, actually, and just psychopaths. And Your Moon Gun, I would say, is 
an absolute fantastic watch. I gave it a 9 out of 10. I would definitely watch season 2. And it is just good because they don't only focus on the titular character Coco. They also focus on the team. And they 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 are like a band of brothers slash sisters. And it's a great show. It's kind of like each episode is their own adventure or every two episodes is because they they say phase one and phase two then you know it's part one part two some episodes are standalone and they focus sometimes on a character or they focus on the group on an adventure and how to overcome it it's really good you should watch it like a hundred percent oh yeah it's, it's been on my watch list for the longest time and i'm glad that you pulled the trigger which makes it much more likely that i'll pull the trigger myself as well it is as close to black lagoon as you can get in my opinion without being black lagoon black, exactly dude, black lagoon standards are super high for me man but you you re- you vouch for it? I think Yormungan is. You might give it a nine point five. Damn. At least a nine. There's if you give it eight point five or below, I think you're wrong. Wow. Okay. Based on your taste. Okay. Based on your taste. Damn. I mean, I put it on my watch list for a reason, right? So I can further confirm that later on. Now, speaking of watch list, this anime, which I'm assuming, are you going to talk about an anime that has been on my watch list forever? Probably. And you're going to tell me to... Well, it's probably not that one, because I was actually going to talk about the other one. Oh, snap. Right. So, I usually had two more I wanted to talk about. One of them being Vinland Saga. But the thing is, I already talked about Vinland Saga. Yeah, that's the one I was referencing, yeah. Yeah, and Vinland Saga's great. Go watch that shit. I think season two is going to be coming out soon. I hope so. I don't know. It's announced, but we don't know when just, it's coming just out. watch it. Or read it. Read it. It's also it's also really well drawn. But, I'll, I'll get around to it, guys. But the one that I actually wanted to talk about is... um. So, you know how I talked about, like, you know... Demon hunting, uh, exorcist shows, like you know, both uh, Soul Eater is about demon hunters exercising demons, and then Soul Eater is just the same thing. Like Blue Exorcist is the same thing. Mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. it'd be remiss to you know, miss out on the hat trick and go for a third one, right? Yes, I'm going to be talking about a third demon hunting exorcist show, D Gray Man. D Gray Man is a fucking classic. Okay, so Demon Gray, a D Gray Man came out for the for the manga. By the way, uh, it came out in two thousand four, and it's still ongoing. Though its release schedule is a bit like, eh, we don't really know. Um, the manga is um, very highly rated and also extremely popular, but um, the the anime itself is slightly controversial in terms of how popular it is. It's still actually very popular, um, but in terms of its revival, it's taken a bit of a hit. So the Anime premiered in 2006, uh, or during the fall season, done by TMS Entertainment. So, huge studio, done a lot of shit. I mean, they're the same team that did One Piece, right? Um, so, 103 episodes for the quote-unquote first season. Though they do split it into four parts, apparently. It split it into four parts. Um, there were some licensing issues in terms of who would be able to actually license. Um, for example, like Funimation Entertainment only had the first 51 episodes. Then Zetsu came along, and then Funimation came back and took it again. Whatever. Um, there is then a sequel that came out in 2016 summer, also by TMS. Uh, it adapts the next couple of chapters of the of the manga. Um, it's only okay. But I'm only talking about the first main series because... I'm not going to be watching 103 fucking episodes in, like, a week. Like, it, are you crazy? It's hilarious because your recommendations consist of Black Lagoon, which I talked about and I vouch, but that contains multiple seasons. There is Blue Exorcist, multiple seasons. Soul Eater, which is 51 episodes, and now D. Gray Man, which is... 103. Jesus. 
Like, just enjoy it. It's, it's, it you're in for the long run. Yeah, if, if you're into long-running shows, look no further. Yeah. So, Degree Man follows the story of, essentially, exercising demons. Now, demons in this world are called Akuma, which, if you translate it into English, Akuma means devil, right? Or demon. Demon, right? Specifically. Yes, like yeah. Akudama Drive yeah. and also the Street Fighter character. Yeah. Yes. So, the main sort of, like, villain of this world is called the Millennium Earl. And he essentially is creating all these demons, these Akumas, to destroy fragments called Innocence. And Innocence <laughs> is the only weapon that's capable of harming him and his army because they are essentially the light that shines on the darkness that's fallen across the land over the past hundreds of years ago that brought up the Great Flood. Now, in order to prevent... The fr- Great Flood. Yeah, oh, now, shit. to prevent another Great Flood, they then formed an organization called the Black Order in order to, to fight the Earl. And they recruit exorcists, those who have powers to accommodate innocence with them, and then imbue the innocence to trap Akudam, uh, Akumas. Wait, now, wait. The, the, the organization is called the Black Order, but the anime is called D. Gray Man. Yeah. Why? Because... Why do they call it Grey Order? I haven't got that far. <laughs> but the main character, his name is Alan Walker. Yeah, that's the most generic John Doe name I've ever heard. I mean, there's Alan Walker's in every facet of life, right? He's a writer. He's a crime. He's, he's a crime syndicate leader. He's now a fucking exorcist. Uh, the one thing for him is that he is armed with an innocence weapon in his left arm. So basically, it, it it's like a huge kind of like claw um, that can expand. Again, it's not magic because it's not like imbuing anything. But he does have a cursed left eye. Uh, with Akuda, with Akuma power, so he is cursed, but he's still human because within the story, only humans can be cursed with Akuma. So, the thing is, right? Like, it, it all sounds extremely ridiculous, but I'm rolling my eyes. I so actually hard. would recommend this as like a serious watch because it does tap into the philosophy of morality of heaven and earth and and hell. Compared to Soul Eater and Blue Exorcist, which are more sort of like jovial, kind of have fun takes on exorcism and demon hunting, like I would watch Soul Eater and Blue Exorcist for fun because you can definitely get enjoyment out of it. But you, it's it's a more serious watch for for Blue Exorcist. Not to mention it's 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 older than the other two. It's it's the oldest one of the four I recommended. Damn, none of the shows I've mentioned are are like that. Like even even Blue Exorcist came out ten years ago. But it looks very, very recent. I mean, Yormungan is really old, like 2012, and same with Black Lagoon is 2006. So, you know. Classics, right? At this point. You can deem them as classics now. So D. Green Man is very interesting. I, I do like this show, but it's because it's it's a show that you need to take seriously. You can't just sit back and enjoy Because it has those funny moments. It does, right? But then, like, so did FMA. So did Demon Slayer. But there are times when, like, when shit gets real, that you have to really like focus and get a little stoic and just watch shit unfold on on screen. The weapons in the movie in in, in the series are fantastic as well because it's it's very much heavenly weapons fighting against the evil darkness that is the Akuma and the Millennium Earl. It's um the names is are it very action packed? Half half. Okay, half, half. that's good. That's it's, good. It's, that's... A, it's a very good mix. So would you say seinen ish? Bordering, okay. Because there's, there's there's some really fucked up shit in there too. Like it, you don't really get that much in Soul Eater and and Blitz. Not that much fucked up shit goes on. It's still very PG thirteen. This one can borderline be like M or R, whichever location you're in, or whatever destination you have for adult material, like 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 mature material. Okay. 
Uh, one last thing. I watched a comic a kill a little bit, and it's probably one of the most popular weapons-oriented shows of all time, and I don't like it. So please don't watch a comic a kill. I mean, like when you were telling me about it, you were like really struggling to put together your sentences for how you felt about a comic a kill. Oh, right, because, oh, it's a starry-eyed guy who arrives in the big city trying to make a name for himself, but then, like, he gets swindled and loses all his money. Oh, someone comes over and is like, oh, you should join an assassin assassin's guild. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. All these people started dying. That's super edgy. That's super violent. Oh, wow. Blah, 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 blah. How's the fan service? If I want to watch... Shows that have good fan service. High school, com- high school DXD. A comic a kill is not that. Just watch High School DXD. All right. So, watch High School of the Dead, actually. That one's a good one. If you want boobs and blood and zombies and bats. In fact, that was my last recommendation. So Physics. Boob physics is very important in that show. <laughs> Matrix boobs. Matrix boobs. Okay. Uh, that is the end of our episode of our main discussion topic, at least. You can always reach us through our email, gapallet at gmail.com. That's G-A-P-A-L-E-T-T-E at gmail.com. All lowercase, all one word. You can also contact us on Twitter using the handle at palletgood. That's capital P and capital G, all one word. We have a Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash palletgood, capital P, capital G, all one word. We have a website, www.goodanimepalette.com, all lowercase, all one word. You can join us on Discord. We have a Mao Club. You can email us for invites, or you can just join it yourself. Music credits for this episode. Our intro music is Glitterati by Foxmoral. Our break music is Up and Down by Toby Trancer. And our outro music is Sunset Dew by Lupus Nocte. Our music was provided courtesy of EpidemicSound.com. If you're interested in using Epidemic Sound as a service, we have a referral link that is, oh, sorry. That is provided in the show description. I just got the hiccups. All right, that's... That's the end of my spiel of housekeeping. All the shows that we recommended just now are definitely like good watches. I would say that Black Lagoon is a must-watch, as is Finland Saga. But, I mean, I already talked about Finland Saga and Black Lagoon. So the other three that I recommended, right? Blue Exorcist, Soul Eater, D. Gray Man. You will find enjoyment out of those three. It just depends on what mood you're in. I also heavily endorse Black Lagoon. Maybe not to the level of Will's enthusiasm, but Will's enthusiasm is super high. And my enthusiasm is above average or pretty high, but not as high as Will. It's a good show, though. I, mean, I put it top 10. You put it like 9 out of 10, which is like still a high regard, right? Super high regard, though. I don't want to diminish its quality. But I say your Moongan can fight toe-to-toe with Black Lagoon. And I think World End is one of the more interesting animes that I've watched recently and kind of unexpected, too. Yeah, so there you go. Like, and, oh, yeah, and it, if you just want immature shit that is guilty pleasure but also bloody good time, High School of the Dead, 100%. Yeah. we. I will talk about DXD in the next episode because that's not... Phys- there's a lot of physical elements, but the weapons are definitely of the more magical taste. I mean, it lower back problems everywhere, man. Yeah. So be sure to check in our next episode as we continue our weapons discussion. This time around for the next one, focusing on magical weapons. And I think going forward, Will and I will try to at least have an ep- like two episodes that are kind of paired together, like two sides of the same coin kind of deal. 
doesn't necessarily mean we will do that for each se- uh, podcast season, but you know, I kind of like doing these double, double paired episodes. It works. I mean, like it, it definitely means that uh, the stuff we watch is more focused on like specific topics, right? Like even if it's like magic and physical, like most of the time you do see both of them in the same realm. Okay, so uh, boobs and butts. Which one? Okay, don't answer that. Actually, uh, answer me. Find off-air. out the answer in the next episode of the GAP podcast when we talk about magical tits and ass. Oh fuck. Okay. See you later, guys. Oh, 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 oh,